two, one. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Sports Medicine Broadcast, podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. I'm Jonah Jackson, and this is my dad and the host of the show, Jeremy Jackson. Yeah! Way to go, Jonah. So I got Susan Ta. She is working with a beer and wine distributor as in what most people would know as an industrial AT, but she's out in Florida. So Susan is going to discuss how she got more compensation than she was expecting. And so basically everything she asked for was above what the what they offered. And she got that because she knew how to negotiate. We talked to Jared before about negotiating your salary and negotiating your benefits. And so he's done that multiple times throughout his career. So he's going to, we're going to just draw out the story from Susan and uh, see how we can apply that to athletic training, both in the secondary setting where I am, or if you're in the occupational or um, Jared's in the, in the bracing, he works for DJO or Don Joy. And we'll just see how that works out for you as an athletic trainer. This is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash negotiating benefits. Again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash negotiating benefits. So again, thanks to Jonah for the intro. And without much further ado, Susan, say hello, and then we'll get started with your story. Oh, yeah. So hello, my name is Susan. Um, I am an industrial athletic trainer. Um, I've been in the occupational health side of athletic training pretty much since I graduated. So all of my experience is on this side of things. I've been in manufacturing, I've been in uh, distribution, and I guess I'm sort of in distribution again, so I should say like warehouse and fulfillment would be a good one. And now I'm in a warehousing and distribution and uh, it's fantastic. So I am at a beer distributor right now and it's the perfect job for me. Um, as far as how I negotiated my way into what I wanted, am I clear? Yeah, you're, by the way, you're good, Susan. I think Jeremy's got pixelated on mine. Okay. Is that is that <laughs> okay? Yeah, <laughs> I was just wanted to make sure. Okay, um, so yeah, as far as my story, I think from when I graduated, um, I knew that I wanted to completely make my living doing my job. I think one of the things that are very frequent in athletic training is that a lot of athletic trainers have to work multiple jobs or um, the salaries are just not where they need to be. Um, and a lot of them find themselves going into other, other areas of either health or something else altogether or other areas of athletics. So I didn't want to be discouraged from the job I had chosen because this was how I chose to fulfill my purpose. And so I already knew I wanted to make a living completely doing my job. Um, so even when I graduated, I knew that I was going to make minimum 40 K and there were a lot of 30 K range jobs <laughs> around when I got on my program. And I was like, Nope, I'm holding out for something that gives me, you know, what my worth is. And so that was how I started in, um, industrial athletic training in the first place. And then with this job, especially, um, I, knew that I wanted more. Um, and I was lucky enough to be in a place where I was certain that I deserved more. I wouldn't even say luck. I would say um, I had taken the time to calculate my value. Uh, one big benefit of industrial athletic training is you know how much you're worth. You know how much money you've saved this company. You know, if anything, if you've helped them increase production, you know if you've saved them on insurance. So something that I feel like isn't stressed to us a lot in our programs is how to communicate your value, how to communicate your worth. We spend maybe a couple weeks on billing or insurance or, you know, some aspect of that. And you might experience going through the billing process during the clinicals. Um, but for the majority of athletic trainers, we're not billing. And I don't think that's a problem at all. That's what I think is actually our strong suit. I absolutely love that um, aspect of our field. But when you're not doing something like billing or um, filing insurance, you need to find a way to show what is your dollar worth. And I am so big on that. And because I can do that and because I could look at data, like where I was moving to, what services I was providing, I was able to, you know, even though they offered me an increased rate, I was able to roll back and say, hey, 
thank you for the offer. Um, I, ex I need more than that. Um, and I said, hey, you know, one of the things that was important to me is to not have to work another job as an athletic trainer. It's a disadvantage to the, our client. It's a disadvantage to you as a company because you're not getting all of my attention, all of my focus. And um, it's a disadvantage to me, obviously, having to work multiple jobs to live the quality of life that I want. And they said, okay, what, is, what, what, what are you expecting? And I told them and they called me back and said, yep, that's fine. We'll do that. So um, sometimes it's just <laughs> getting that, uh, that strength and having enough people beside you to, you know, make that work. And then just asking. Once you ask, it's out of your hands anyway. So I think right. a lot of people struggle getting to the point where they ask. They either don't have the support. They either have not done the math or run the numbers. They haven't made a plan or they don't know why they want more. So they don't really think to ask for more. Um, so it's just getting to that point. Once you ask, there's the show, you know, and uh, they'll come back to you. With That's the hard part. Yeah, absolutely. That's the hard part. So real quick, I, I want to jump back. Um, that was actually an awesome synopsis. <laughs> I want to jump back to you. Uh, you made the comment that you knew what you wanted. Sorry, it's hard to hear myself with two earpieces. Um, the question I have is, what made you choose the setting you're in right now? I know you said basically you, you wanted a certain, well, I say dollar amount. There may have been more to that, but I mean, that may have been, a, which is totally fine. Right. Um, what made you, so first of all, where'd you go to school? Bradford University. Go Highlanders. I got you. And so where's that? Uh, Virginia. Bradford? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Is that Fred Fredericksburg? Uh, no, it's right in Radford, Virginia. We're next to Blacksburg, okay. right next to Virginia cool. Tech. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so when you were there, what what made, what triggered you to go want to go into the industrial setting? Oh, good. That's a good question. Like, what was um, it? Um, so I am a big. Um, I don't know if there are any Simon Sinek fans out there, but I'm definitely a big fan of his. And um, his whole thing is starting with why. Why do you do what you do? Um, I always wanted to work with movement, health, and preventative medicine, especially. Um, and so that kind of put me in the athletic training avenue anyways, as a previous athlete. And then in my program, um, I was the president of our athletic training student association for two years in my program. And one of the things we started when my first year as president was, um, actually going to uh, working with our Volvo truck plant. Uh, the largest Volvo truck plant in the world is right in Dublin, Virginia. And um, doing kind of like a health fair and kind of working with them, talking about carpal tunnel, tennis elbow, low back pain, plantar fasciitis, some of your more common um, occupational complaints. And that was kind of my first introduction to um, occupational health and industrial medicine. Um, and I was just wowed by how many people you have the opportunity to work with. I loved that. And then the fact that that was my why. My why has always been preventing injuries, preventing illness, preventing major health problems. And that checked off my why, you know, for a lot of people, it is working with elite athletes, you know, for a lot of people, it is living and helping out their community, you know, so especially with your secondary school people, but my why was just preventative health. And I found an area that is really prone to chronic injury, prone to chronic illness. And even though they have the money and they have a lot of these people, health insurance as part of their blue collar jobs, they're weirdly cut off from medicine. I would have guys who just hadn't been to the doctor in 16 years. You know, so that kind of checked off my why. And it's nice to have a set schedule where when you're leaving, you're leaving, you're not in the 10th inning and you're just like, that's okay. So that was nice too, of course. And then, you know, my worth, I, I felt like I received my worth in work. So, yeah. So, so when you graduated, what was your, your first job out? The same company I'm with now. Okay. So, so the, so the new job, is that the same company as well? Mm-hmm. Different locations, is that right? Yep. Did I hear that right? So yes, moved it? from moved from Texarkana to Florida. So okay. still hot and you know, but um different. Yeah, the company, so where I started with them was at a plant in Texarkana. Um, seventeen hundred people, um, mostly not climate controlled, um, manufacturing hot, sweaty, still amazing environment. I really found my work there. I did what I wanted to do there. Um 
But that first salary, I didn't really negotiate because it met my needs. It met the, the st starting point I gave myself. And also, I just didn't have facts to negotiate with. I'm just out of school. What am I advocating? <laughs> you know, if anything, they've given me what they had, what I wanted in that moment. I had full benefits. They covered, you know, my life insurance, stuff like that. So you can't, you can't advocate from nowhere. And that's what I tell people sometimes is sometimes it's not time to advocate. Don't just negotiate a higher salary because you can um, negotiate a higher salary because you deserve it. And I feel like sometimes you feel like you should start here because they're going to lowball you. But to me, advocating is math it is this is what I deserve because of this, 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 and this. And if that's what you deserve, a good company should give it to you because you're not just highballing them to negotiate down to something else. So that's why I didn't really negotiate my first time around. And that this time I definitely did. Yeah. So how long were you at your first job to, to where you are now? Three years. Yeah. Okay. So how were you, so you talked about before about the importance of making a plan, which I think is super important. And, and regardless of setting, certainly industrial is different than, than sales, but I work with, and only, you know, my, I work with college athletics for the bulk of my career. Um, uh, and before I, my, I had some health issues, my mother had some health issues. So that's actually why I got out of college football and then oh. and moved back to, uh, it gave me a chance to move back home. So there's definitely ways to quantitate um, your information. How did you, so what was your plan? Like, how did you figure out, you mentioned about how you kind of put together um, your worth. How did you, right. can, can you give us a little bit? So so people that are in the sure. setting, how did you break that down? Um, so... There are a lot of resources out there. A really good one to me is everyone should have like a list of things you are accomplishing at work or things you are accomplishing in your career and then things that you want to be accomplishing because that helps you a lot when you're advocating because you can say, I've done this, this, and this, and this is where I want to be next. And that kind of tells them again, your why. <laughs> I will always come back to that. So um, for example, in my list, um, so even from when I first got this job, you know, my role as president of our athletic training student association had helped me. The fact that I was already familiar with industrial athletic training helped me. That for them was like, oh, what? Yeah, you know what we're talking about. So that um, is a big helper. So things like that. So for this one, so at the site I was at, I did a lot of projects. Um, because again, prevention is kind of my why, preventing healthcare expense is my why. So a big thing that we had at the plant I was at was um, in one of our hot zones where like ambient temperatures hang around 107, 215 degrees. And these guys worked there for 12 hours um, doing some of the most strenuous work in our plant. So they were pretty prone to heat illness. So after being there a year, they really didn't have preventative management in place. They provided water and stuff like that. And we would provide like fruit and Gatorade, but there was no real coaching and education and just some of those core things that we've learned in athletic training. So I applied one of our most basic um, forms of heat management, which is making them weigh in and weigh out. So for, I didn't do it for everyone because that'd be hundreds of people, but for our new hires, at least, because what I had seen is, you know, these guys, of course, aren't going to really pass out on their first day. It's usually that second or third day of just not hydrating properly. So I started a heat acclimatization program in that department. I got those guys weighing in and weighing out. Um, and some guys would lose, you know, nine, 12 pounds in a 12 hour period, no problem. So um, that was the first year that they didn't have any heat illness, like recordable heat injuries in that area in like 30 years. So um, that was one of the things I talked about. Um, and I kind of continued working on projects there that had a marked effect on how many injuries they ended up reporting at the end of the year. I presented at my company conference. Um, what else did I do? So stuff oh, hey, like that. Quick, Susan. Mm -hmm. So yeah. sorry. So what I think about like what you're saying about the, uh, uh, that preventative, like heat illness, for instance, um, I mean, you could quantitate that. You could actually say, okay, so you've got, let's just say on average, they had one just for the, for, for, for uh, illustration's sake, they have one heat illness per, uh, I guess, per season or per year, I guess, then I'm sure they could figure out the productivity of a, they should already know that how much, how much productivity could be gained or lost. So, and that equals dollars, of course, how many, you know, in this, you're in beer and wine, right? 
Well, I am now. This was before okay. when I was in rubber and tire manufacturing. I got you. Okay. So they, they have a dollar figure on, okay. So one, one person working X amount of hours equals how much dollars. I mean, they've, they've got those metrics already and they're, yep. yeah, you should be able to, to put that together. So you can figure, okay, if I save one person, so yeah, you just start making a list and start taking it. Uh, that's, that's awesome. So yep. um, in your, so when you, when you're going through and putting together a plan, what are all the things you're looking for um, to, um, to actually, present like what what are the what are the factors that you feel like you need to put together in a in a package to present to that future employer um how do you mean okay great question <laughs> great question to a question so you've put together so so how many different illustrations and examples are you trying to have so that you can go like do you put it like do you put it together in a in a like a written document or do you is it just all talk no, no, no. Um, no, no, no. I understand what you're saying. It's both. So for me, I had the benefit of being within my current employer, but it is very, very simple. So for in my company, I can produce a document at the end of the month that based on my um, the cases that I've worked on, based on visits here in the clinic, based on preventative work, though that's a little arbitrary sometimes, like you said, with the heat. That's actually simple. I can look at the cost it would have been to hospitalize somebody who, you know, passed out because of a heat illness, the cost of just those bills, mm -hmm. simple to qualify. Other things you can look at, like you said, is production. So people are way more productive when they're not dehydrated. So we were able to look at that. Um, but I can produce a dollar amount at the end of the month of how much money I saved the, the place that I'm at. So like <clears throat> my beard, this is how much money I saved you. Um, so that's one thing you want on there. Another thing you want on there for a potential employer is expertise. So if you have specific expertise in an area that is beneficial to them, you absolutely need to tell them about that. So especially for mine, like prevention with hydration and, and stuff like that is an area that I would consider I have expertise on. I lectured on it at my company conference. Um, and so that is something that's really important too. Um, if you have a specialized you know, area that um, could help them out. Yeah. So mm. what would you say was when you were going into your, I guess your interview, so did you do multiple interviews or was it, was it a phone call and then a face-to-face -face or how did that? So it was Corona time for this one. Yeah. <laughs> so it was all, I did um, one phone, two video calls, especially, you know, with the client here. So this is a this is a beer and wine distributor. That's another thing. <laughs> I'll include this. You have to think about every aspect of this employer, what they need from you and what you might not be able to provide. So here, which is part of why I took this job, is I was going to get to grow. If you are taking a job as a growth opportunity, you still need to advocate for why you are the one worth them picking over somebody who might already have what they're looking for <laughs> and what you bring in addition to what you're going to get from them. So here... I um, am responsible for all of their DOT or analysis because we have CDL drivers here. So that's something that I was not familiar with. And that's something you need to address when you're advocating for yourself is that you don't possess a skill that they might need. And, you know, I had a timeline ready for when I was going to get my certification to be able to collect um, urine for DOT testing, you know, because that's a very important part of my job here is doing the randomized testing for them and then doing their pre-employment testing. Um, another side of that is um, I do post-offer evaluations here, post-offer phys offer physicals. So that's like an hour-long circuit we do, making sure they can double stack kegs, making sure, you know, so that's an exam, like a little gauntlet um, mm -hmm. thing that we run for them. So um, that's important is looking at your employer and just identifying areas where you are bringing something on board and definitely address any deficits you might have because you kind of need their patience um, when they start now, with you. Now, before you started, what did, uh, did they already have athletic trainers or did they have something in that role before? Nope. They, they definitely already had them though. I'm all about advocating for more Perfect. employers to use us, but yeah, they, they were already familiar with that here. Okay. So they did have somebody before. I got mm -hmm. you. Cool. Um, so in the in the interview process, um, when did you start bringing up? Um, did you kind of drop hints? Uh, I say drop hints about things that you had interest, things you wanted to to add or or whatnot as far as your negotiation. Did you start that early on, or was 
or like, or, or did you kind of wait through the last one? And you just dropped the bomb on them. Um, so I guess you could say I dropped the bomb, but I really didn't. Um, it, for the way I see it, well, one, you're always advocating for yourself. I think that's very important. We all need to know that. Um, I kind of talked about this elsewhere, um, but we're always advocating in the way we talk, in the way we dress, in the way we act. At any point in time, we're always advocating. I'd said it um, previously um, with uh, so someone else that I talked with before, is that at my previous plant I was at, you know, they when they restarted, because we were shut down for a month, we restarted with supervisors missing all over the place. Every single athletic trainer was back there because that's advocating. You know, we made sure that we were so valuable to them that they were not gonna build a single thing without us being there, even if it meant not having other people there. So that's kind of advocating to me. So during the process, I would say I was advocating for myself the whole time, as far as showing my worth, as far as communicating what I was bringing to the table, as far as addressing deficits I had and kind of making them confident that those would not be deficits for long. So that I save kind of money talk and stuff like that until the end, because you need them to have completely bought into you. This is just my take, obviously. I could be wrong. But... You sound like a sales guy. You're doing great. <laughs> okay, great. So yeah, I want them to be completely bought in and invested so that when you do ask for more, you say, well, like we talked about, you know, this is what and this is what I need. So um, you've kind of already, you don't want to already be asking for stuff. And then they're kind of like, why? Because then you have to start seeming like you're, you're um, giving the reasons why. You, those reasons should already be there so that, you know, you're not arguing. From I'll say a, this though. Yeah. Look, mm -hmm. and I love everything you said. Um, I'll say even to take it, you know, as far as strategies for people, you know, that are, that are listening to this and are looking to do similar things, you know, you know, there's probably going to be multiple conversations. I think if you kind of lay the groundwork, God, this sounds so, it's funny because I hated sales reps and it's ironic uh, that I became one. I hated you it are one. <laughs> with this passion. You just couldn't imagine. I'm, so this is going to sound very salesy, but just know I'm still a certified athletic trainer. Um, right. I think what you, if, if you know the things that you're going to ask for on the back end, if you can set yourself up in your conversations, uh, you say the second conversation, you're saying, these are the things I've implemented. These are the, th you know, these are programs I'm interested in implementing. These are the things I want to do. This is what I've done at my prior job. This is what I think we can do at the future job. This is thing. And then at your final, when you're, when it's time to negotiate to, or, you know, to, to say, Hey, look, this is what, this is what I think I'm worth. And this is what I think I'm worth to your company. Then, and then you go back and say, and here's the reason why. And you're literally checking off the list from the conversation they had two, three days ago with the supervisor yeah. that said, Hey, you really need to check this girl out. She, this, she's got her act together. So um, I think if you, in your plan, when you're kind of, of course, you know, um, interviews are always, or can be tough. I, to be honest, I enjoy interviews because I enjoy meeting people and, and talking to people and understand, you know, kind of getting a, getting a, uh, you know, an understanding of what they do and, and whatnot. But at the same time, in the back of your head, if, if you know where, you know, you want this position, you've prepared for it, whether it be your, your prior job or, or your, your, um, your prep for it. Um, if you can, have the conversation going towards some of your some of your bullet points to set yourself up for later i think that's uh man that, that gets you right where you need it sounds like you did that whether it was intentional or not um right. that sounds like exactly what you do but i'd say if if people that are listening if they can learn to be intentional with their talk and um, absolutely you know, i'm a power of the spoken word kind of guy but at, at the same time if, if you can be very intentional with 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 what you're saying and then setting yourself up for that final i hate to say it but like that final pitch have we've already yeah. laid it out. You know you want me. I know I want you. Like, let's make this happen. Here's all the reasons why. Um, Absolutely. When when you had that conversation, what were you? Let's say that. Okay, let's. So let's say you've already had the second. Um, you've already had you know your second conversation. Now you're going into the final. You say you're now you're meeting with the we we call it the C suite, the 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 the, the big people. You know the third floor. Mm -hmm. um, right. When you were ready to go into that conversation, how did that conversation go about? Like kind of walk me through um, how, you know, the, and you don't, you don't need to go specifics um, as far as how much dollar figure, but I, walk me through kind of that process. Cause there's some people that have never right. gone through that process. Right. So, um, and also, first of all, what you said, absolutely spot on Jared, like as far as setting yourself up, because 
And I feel like sometimes it sounds weird, but we really can forget this. When you are interviewing and you're doing all this stuff, you're working towards an offer. You're working towards a final final. You are working towards a piece of paper that has a dollar amount on it, you know, a benefits package. Right. This That's isn't a hobby. You're not just, yeah. There's yes. Like they're not just doing this for fun. You know, this is not just afternoon tea. Like there is an end point and that's really what you want to think about. And another thing I will say really quick um, about what you just said before is another reason I don't really like bringing up that end point besides that it is supposed to come at the end is that you don't want to sour your relationship or basically leave a bad impression if you do discuss that early on and you either get rebuffed or it doesn't kind of seem you're just already casting a shadow on the rest of the process. I agree with that. Yep. So if you start talking about money early on or start talking about what you'll need, then if you somehow do have deficits, they're already checking off dollars on you. Or if they tell you we can't accommodate what you need and then you don't take that position, you know, it seems like the money already had you out personally. So that's kind of another reason. That, and you don't really know the person who was just in the chair two hours before either doing the same right. interview. Yeah, I agree. Right. Definitely. Yeah. So that's another reason. But so working up to that, um, <laughs> I probably had the like, I had the most stressful way that this can go, which is actually the way I like it. I would encourage people to do it this way because it sets you apart and it forces the conversation. It forces you to get an answer and you have the benefit of not agreeing to something before you get an offer and then feeling like you have to take it. So I just went through the whole process, didn't discuss any money, didn't discuss anything. And then I got the call that, hey, after, you know, talked to the company, went up the ladder there, went up the ladder here with the beer and wine company, and then got the call and said, hey, everyone loves you. Everything's been great. You should have an offer from us by Friday. In my opinion, that is not the time to start negotiating an offer you have not seen. <laughs> You just say, okay, thanks so much. I look forward to, I look forward to seeing it. So then when I got my offer, I was like, okay, I already kind of knew my worth at that point, right? You should know what you're looking for. That's where a lot of people falter. This is where you need your support system, right? You need someone to call and say, for me, it's, it was my dad. I was like, dad, this is what they offered me. This is what I needed. And he was like, great, simple give them a ring, ask for more. I was like, oh, it's so not that simple. <laughs> that is the hardest part. That's really where a lot of people start fretting. The anxiety really takes you over. You start negotiating yourself down like, you know, maybe this is okay. Maybe this is fine. This is where if your support system is not as strong as your employer or whoever is paying you, you will come out with a lower offer. If your support system is greater, then you will get what yep. you believe. It's funny deserve. you say that because I, I jokingly say that I have uh, I have two people I have, you know, you have the, the, the angel and the devil over here, but in reality, like I have to have my hype man, but I also have to have my guy who's going to bring me down to reality. So, right, I did, right. so I usually encourage people to do, um, you know, test drives as far as, you know, interviews with friends because, you know, they're going to want to bust your chops. They're going to want to bring right. knock you down a couple of things. So I always had a guy that would just, it would bash me down because right. you know, practice is, you want practice to be harder than the game. But also I had to have my, my hype guy, my, my best friend, and he's, he's the guy that said, no, I mean, you can do this, you can do this. So, yeah, we, we made a comment um, on a prior uh, podcast um, where we talked about how uh, the average, how the average um, increase, uh, see here, the cost of living increase is usually on average 2% a year. So if you think about it, the, the importance of doing this and understanding the skills you're trying to build is if, if you can add, so, so let's say you make, uh, let's say you get a job for $30,000, just an easy number, $30,000, and then you do 2%, 2%, 2%, 2%, 2% over five years, you know, you're going to be making X dollars versus if you can negotiate a 10% increase on the front end, let's just say 10%. So you're adding $3,000. You're now making 33,000. Well, you basically just saved yourself or made, you, you got a five-year head start. Right. So it, it's, it, to me, it's, it's, uh, 
there's nothing wrong with being to learn how to be, you know, be comfortable being uncomfortable. But like yep. you said, you have to have that support system to be able to kind of push you out of that comfort zone. But so you yes. said your dad was your, uh, was your, was your support that, that I call him a hype man. So that's, that's your guy that's giving you the support. Well, my dad might be the realist. He's kind of both. Guess, um, yeah. yeah, I would say I have other friends who are like my hype people with my dad. My dad is definitely, he is the down to earth numbers person. He really is the one. And I was like, dad, I've run the numbers. You know, I've really looked at what I offer. I've looked at how to increase my cost of living commensurate. There are a lot of websites that people, I mean, really have your resources. So if anyone ever needs some, and I'm sure you have a lot too, Jared, like you can just tweet me or something. I can help you get so many resources, whether it's the salary survey, knowing insurance reimbursement rates in your state to calculate your worth, whether it's cost of living adjustments, like anything, know those numbers. And so my dad was like, what's the problem? <laughs> he was like, you got the numbers, you did the math, you have your resources. You're, you're not really asking for a favor here. Right. You are communicating your value and saying, I'm sorry, there was a clerical error. This is what I need to, you know, get this position. So, um, so he's as, down to earth. Yeah. So it's okay. I got, well, my dad is too. Um, uh, so that being said, so once you, so interviews done, you're off for the position, they right. send you, um, I guess a proposal or they send you, yep. Hey, this is the, the, or the, the offer. Um, how long until, you know, it's like when you're, when you first start dating, you, you know, you don't want to call them an hour later and say, yes, I want to go again. Um, but how long, you know, did you wait the mandatory three days? And no, I'm just kidding. What, what's your, um, uh, I'm honestly, I actually called pretty much that day. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah, I would say you don't really want to drag it out too long because you want them to have fresh in their memory, the process that you've gone through with them. Um, and also you don't want your nerves to talk you out of the situation because the longer you sit with that number, the more normal it looks. So you need to <laughs> immediately get rid of that number if so it's not. Now, did you already have an, did you already have a number that you knew, okay, I'm moving from Texarkana to what part of Florida, by the way? Southwest Florida. Okay, cool. So you're moving yep. from, from Texarkana to Southwest Florida. Um, you already knew what your dollar figure needed to be to make it worth the journey, the cost yep. of living, if it's different. Um, so yep. did you already have that in your head or did you, um, I mean, did you already know what that dollar figure and things were? Okay. So yep. did they, how close were they percent wise, roughly? Mm, they were probably like 85% of the way okay. there. Good deal. So, yep. so what, so how did you, how did you have that? So I was curious if you were just like, I can be honest, one of my positions, I mean, we were. Uh, we weren't 40%. We were, I turned it down, uh, yeah. I, which by the way, that's a whole nother skill set. Or I say skill set, you got to have the, the gumption to be able to be willing to, to let it go. Part of the plan. Yeah, for sure. Hey, if they're not hitting this, alternate this plans, regardless, if they say no, okay, that's fine. That's right. You know, anyway, Absolutely. That's, yep. that's another topic for another call. Um, but uh, so what, what was it that, that you said, like, I mean, and, and actually I, I read through some of your tweets where you were kind of talking about what you did, but um, right. So how exactly, how, how did that process go about? So they call you, they give you a number, you wait mm -hmm. a little bit, talk to your dad or talk to whoever. And then how did that yeah. go? Okay. So, um, so my, uh, I got the call and they were like, you know, you're, I was within the company. So they already kind of pre-raised me. They're like, you know, we, we really have been looking and we've decided to, you know, bump your pay a little bit, you know, and we get the new rate. And I was like, all right, that's another thing. Do not react in the moment. Just take that number and retreat into your hole and prepare yourself. So you just simply say, okay, thanks so much. Um, thank you. You don't need to say that sounds great or, oh, you know, you just say, all right, thanks. You're grateful for it, but they're not also, you're not a charity case. I mean, right, know, exactly. they're not just, I mean, well, they're not doing you a favor. Yeah. I mean, thank you. Yes. I appreciate it, but. Yep. And that's exactly what I said, because I appreciate you thinking of giving me a raise already. That's great. So that's when I kind of, again, ran back to like, had my dad talk sense into me. He was like, I do not understand why you're struggling with this. This is so easy. But like you said, and negotiating to your employer is hard because this person, you have to work with them, whether they say yes or no, <laughs> there's still that expectation. And there. they write your check. Yeah, they sign it. Yeah. 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 So, um, so prepared myself. I knew what I was worth. I knew my numbers. Another thing, write a script. Don't just go into it blind, literally write like an elevator pitch, like four sentences. 
that are exactly what you need to say because your nerves will trip you up and it's not worth not being prepared enough. So I ran my script by my dad a few times, called my boyfriend, ran my script by him. And he was like, oh yeah, like go get that money. Like, you know, he's probably my hype man. So I was like, okay, you got this. I called and I said, hello, I've looked over the offer. I appreciate it. Um, but it's not, it does not cover, I just communicated that it didn't provide not only my worth, but my expectation to make a move like that to be able to continue giving my job my best. And I com communicated that I was not going to get a second job to, you know, reach my goals. I wanted to do it through this job. And um, I got the, um, okay, uh, well, let me uh, make some calls and call you back. And I hung up and I was like, done, that's it. I like, I'm, now, I'm now the ex-employee of the Tech Arcana. Yes, it was like, well, it was fun while I had that job. I enjoyed it for a while. That's right. So then I got a call back and it was like, hey, uh, so this is really kind of, you know, oh, it was, um, okay, so how much were you expecting? That's another thing. Have a number. Don't go, oh, um, if they ask you how much money you're expecting, you need to know. Point yep. blank. Just so you so, know, and, and my number, and we've talked about this before, yeah, you have to be prepared for the be comfortable being uncomfortable, right? So, um, honestly, twenty percent is my number. So, whatever they say, I'm saying twenty percent more. Now, it might be a shot in the dark and absolutely, but I mean, mm -hmm. that's well, I say whatever they say. If they're forty percent off, like one of my one of my places, right? Yeah. I was like, thank yeah. you very much. I think we're just too far off. Um, right. And I give them the reasons why, and this is why. Hopefully, because maybe I'm going to help the next person coming through behind me um, right. to set expectations. But that right. being said, so I have a, yes, I agree. I, I think you need to be, if you're, this is part of the, the strategy and the plan. If you know you're going in to negotiate something, then you sure as heck better be prepared for that question. Okay, what do you want? Now, that being said, I, I'm not of the opinion of you should have, um, that. always expect them to say the first number. So that's, you know, let them say, what are you prepared to do? Because right. let's say that you're not, let's say your number is just for, Let's say your number's fifty grand. I I want to work for fifty thousand dollars, and they say, okay, what's your number? You say fifty grand. Well, they were about to prepare you. They're prepared to pay you sixty five seventy. I mean, I don't right, know, right. I mean, which is monopoly money unless you work in Texas, which is normal, I guess, right? Um, getting all those Texas ATs. Um, sixty five seventy. Well, or I mean, industrial. You can the salaries can get up there. You know, corporations yeah. got a lot of money, guys. No, no question. No, no, no doubt about it. So, so, you know, yes, you're right. You, you got to be prepared to have that number. So did they ask, did they ask you for a number? Yes. Okay. And another, another bit of advice I would add is have that number in salary format and hourly because I had it in salary format. And he was like, how much is that per hour? I whipped out my phone so quick because you can't say, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, man, I should have been prepared for that Good question. Advice. I was not. Sure. Yeah. So definitely have it either way in yeah. case you're like, oh, I want to make this much power. What is that salary? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, all right. So let's say this. So let's say that the number, the salary for you, like, they, you know, HR is telling them, look, I, I would, they, they make a phone call and they come back. So like, I, I can't. I mean, I really can't. And that may be absolutely the truth. You know, a lot of these situations, there are yep. pretty set limitations on HR. Um, mm -hmm. What are other things in your setting that you think you could try to negotiate? Um, sure. So you can always, so one aspect of mine was that I had a moving bonus. Um, mm -hmm. I think they were surprised that I did not negotiate the bonus because I didn't. Um, I didn't negotiate the bonus because in the long term, the bonus didn't matter. <laughs> I was negotiating yeah. for like 13K more a year. I'm not going to try to negotiate an extra 300, 500, $800. That's nothing to me in the long term sure. of getting my salary where I needed it to be. So you really have to prioritize what matters to you there. Um, you can negotiate things like, I guess you can always negotiate things like a lot of companies are pretty strict on reimbursements and stuff like that. Some are even really strict on stuff like vacation. So in my opinion, which might be different than yours, so definitely share with me <laughs> with your expertise what you think. Okay. I would say if they're able to meet you where you need to be, and a lot of places do that, they go, oh, you know, I would, but we really can't. That's when you really need to look at your why and you need to negotiate your why down. Whether it's negotiating how many hours you spend somewhere, whether it's negotiating the population that you see, 
you know? So where I am now, we have like a smaller distribution facility that I also kind of go over there and do there. I'm their athletic trainer also. Let's say that they couldn't give me what I needed, right? And for a lot of people of the secondary setting, you might have multiple schools or you might do middle school also. That's where you say, okay, I'll take what you're offering me, but I'm not going to be able to cover middle, middle school sports and high school sports for that. I will absolutely cover high school sports. Shrink your population. That kind of, it's a benefit to not only your patients, but to yourself too. You're not running yourself ragged for less money. Mm-hmm. They can't meet you on the money. Bring something else down to kind of negotiate what you're going to do. Sure. There, so. Do you have, now you guys have one, lo- you said you have two locations. How far away is that? Mm, is probably like an hour. Time? Okay. So it's no, no, no. Um, I think it's about an hour. Coronavirus, I haven't gone over there yet. I literally, this is my first month here, by the way, and I love it. But, um, and I think I normally, from how it was, is every other week I'm over there. So do they pay you mileage? Yep. Okay, do they have a company car that you use? Nope. So like, you know, so that could be something, I mean. Right. Just throwing it out, you know, either mileage versus. um, Right. And of course you would think that they would already know that if you got to right. drive an hour one way hour back two hours how many days a week so you know doing that math of course of course you know some situations like this you, you better be ready to do some quick math um but yeah if you can if you can have that quantitated and figure okay well you know what can I, you guys have i'm sure they have like company cars they've got to have a bunch of like just to scoot around then or not yeah they do they do and i well okay so our company probably has company cars i don't again my company's like in the Midwest, like I'm not <laughs> my company by any means, my yeah. supervision. No, elsewhere. I didn't mean like you be but, issued one, but I mean for you to make that trip. Right, right. Um, that could be, but honestly, I've done the math on that and the reimbursement that I get for just driving it myself is sure. more, is worth it. And people will notice that a lot. If you have a job where you're driving sometimes, yeah. if you really calculate that cost of maintenance and stuff, you might get more than you're actually expecting, depending on the rate they reimburse you at, of course. So I was like, oh, that's actually kind of a bump. Right. A little extra. So. Yeah, I get that. No, 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 totally. So that should be something that that you need to look into to figure out what, so, you know, federal, depending on how you can run your taxes, 55 cents a mile is pretty standard, yep. maybe 57 now. Um, but like doing the math that way versus the company vehicle right. to be able to, you know, run as far as maintenance and whatnot. Um, right. In, in, your, in your negotiation process, okay, so, so you give them a number. So you oh, yes. With yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so I, I, I gave them my number and it was like, how much is that per hour? And I was like, it sucks with per hour. <laughs> um, so, and he said, uh, okay, um, all right, um, I'll call you back. Um, and I was like, oh, I asked for too much. I was like, oh, I can. Oh, actually, I already said that on the phone. I was like, this much per hour. And I was like, and again, I'm willing to negotiate this, but definitely I do need more than what was on my offer letter. And honestly, in hindsight, I probably wouldn't even have said that. But then again, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yep. Um, but already disadvantaging myself, it didn't matter in the long run. But sometimes you might want to skip that that part. Um, so he said, I'll call you back. And I was like, oh, okay, there's that. And then he called me. He was like, hey, talk to HR, talk to like, you know, and um, I'll, uh, that you should hear, you should have an answer back by next week. I was like, okay, okay. And I was like, man, I made a mistake. Again. It's a long week. <laughs> yeah. It's, and this was Friday. They sent me this offer letter. So it's I kind of got weekend, it yeah. for an hour, did all this, had the calls. This was about three hours later. And I was like, I got to wait till next week. And I'm like, I'm not even house hunting anymore because mm-hmm. I'm not getting this job. But, um, and then he called me an hour and a half later and he was like, yeah, they said, yes. Like they'll take what you asked for. And I was like, really? literally said really on the phone. I was that that I definitely went out to that, but he already given it to me. He can't take it back, you know? And he was like, oh yeah, like the VP, one of our like um, execs company, she's like, yeah, she says like, you know, you've been doing really great and they were absolutely fine with that. And in my brain, I was like, Susan, <laughs> did you devalue yourself when you asked that? But uh, that's another thing. When it's done, it's done. Sure. When you've asked for something and it's given to you, cut and run. <laughs> yes, that is, that is the end of the negotiation right you know, there. You, interesting. Have your own. You, you make the comment, you know, did you devalue yourself? You know, I could see somebody thinking that, but in reality, nah, man, because you already set that value ahead of time. Right. And yes. you know, the, the fact that they, that they agree that they value the same amount. I mean, that's a big, I mean, props to you. I mean, really, because that, that means they've obviously, they've already done their homework. 
Right? Right. Especially it's industrial places. They already know. They've talked to all the supervisors, all the people that you've worked with, made probably right. patients of yours. Um, so they already, they, they had a dollar figure in their head. Now, maybe like, well, I, I didn't expect you to come back asking for more. But then again, it is a business. And, you know, right. that's the way they see it. You know, and um, so going back and looking at it, so I think you kind of hinted at one of them. But what would you have done differently if, so now that you know, mm-hmm. is there anything in particular you would have done differently? So you made the comment about, you know, you may not have said, Hey, but I'm willing to negotiate that, you know, when you came back with a counter offer. But right. is there anything in particular you can think of in the process that maybe you would have staged differently or, or set up differently or, or response differently? Good question. I mean, you can say um, no, but I mean, don't. <laughs> well, actually, there's one thing I probably would have also negotiated my my extra bonus, my moving bonus, my relocation bonus. So um, I may have negotiated it to being a reimbursement instead um or you know something like that so but you know especially for someone who's a little over three years into her career you know sometimes just dealing with one thing at a time is worth it and that's where you kind of got to figure out if i was asking for like an extra 20 cents an hour or something maybe i would have picked the bonus over (laughs) over my salary but since i was asking for so much more because i really needed so much more i prioritized um, if you're great at it and you can do both, sure. But I didn't want them coming back with a different offer on the salary and a different offer on the moving bonus. And I'm trying to juggle and them then, on the phone and they want an answer, you know? So I just simplified it for myself and I picked one thing. So if they wanted to negotiate that, I knew everything about that. I didn't want to have to be dealing with other things. So that's maybe one thing is as I get better, you know, maybe I can negotiate four aspects of my offer letter at once. Sure. I'm not there yet. Well, you know, you talk about the, actually, I have written down, if I could show you my notes as you're talking, I've got notes. Um, but, uh, but no, that's actually what I wrote down right before you said it was um, things that you can negotiate. Um, so honestly, that, I think that moving bon- or bonus, but that moving expenses, I think that's an arbitrary number. That's just a number that they're like, nah, right. $2,500, or I don't know, right. $3,000, whatever the number right. is. That's, I mean, somebody was just kind of sitting around like, yeah. Probably. Yeah. So, right. you know, like, how many miles is it? All right. <laughs> like, yeah, we can go on MapQuest yeah. back in the day right. um, or whatever to figure it out. But yeah, so that's, I think that's something that can be negotiated. Um, uh, so what, what are things that you think in the industrial setting, um, what, are, what are items that you think could be potentially on the table to negotiate? So, mm-hmm. so we talk about, okay, so moving expenses is one. I think of certainly dollar, dollars an hour is one. Um, mm-hmm. I can see CEUs, you know, hey, ability for continuing education. What are other things if just off yeah. the top of your head that you think could potentially be on, you know, um, on the table. Your schedule could mm-hmm. also be another one. So at the site I just came from, um, and this one also is almost 24 hours, but it's really not. Where I was before was 24-7, running hard, pumping out goods. So in that kind of situation, you can negotiate your schedule. There, I worked three days a week and was off four days a week. When I started, I worked four days a week and was off three days a week. I just negotiated myself into one less day a week, but still was making my 40 hours, you know, so I wasn't losing any money. So that's yeah. something you can negotiate. Even, even taking that and, and saying, you know what, I, I want an hour and a half lunch break every day or something like right? that. If that's something or you feel like-, like. You know, my schedule is Monday through Friday. I'm going to work a Monday through Thursday schedule. It'll mm-hmm. just be a little bit longer, stuff like that. So you can definitely negotiate stuff like that into a pretty rocking schedule if you are able to advocate for, for yourself for that what else um nuggets hit me with some nuggets what you got i'm trying to think man um could, could you maybe ask i mean is there are there certain days of the year i mean do y'all and i don't know if do y'all pretty much just say standard or do y'all have like rushes do y'all have huge uh organizational things where you may need to bring in a second person like a per diem so, um, to give you help or no um I would say no, but then okay. again, I guess, you know, contracts are always looking to evolve. I would love for there to be a second athletic trainer here. Where I was before, we had three athletic trainers. Again, we were 24-7, so the coverage we needed there. Here, it's about um, 300 people here. So one, I mean, this is much different compared to where I was before, but um, you could negotiate, and, and we get typical holidays. Again, that's another benefit of the industrial field is you don't, really find yourself having an extra long weekend or something you i have hours when the clinic is open and hours when the clinic is closed you can negotiate those hours if you'd like but you know i'm not staying over because there's a late shipment coming in that's when you can be like all right guys have a great night see you tomorrow 
sounding good. Um, <laughs> hey, so, real quick, I want to jump in. And so, when did you, when did you, uh, or how did you acquire? Look, I mean, I'm, I've never met you. Full disclosure: whoever's watching this, never met you. I've, yep. uh, we communicated via like text, I guess, a couple times, yep. private messages with, uh, yeah. with Jeremy. But um, other than me looking at your Twitter profile. Uh -huh. That's it. Um, so I'm very impressed. I really am. Um, so, I mean, well Thanks. done. Like we made the comment in a prior podcast that athletic trainers tend to be martyrs for the profession and, right. and too many people fall on the sword because they, they're saying that, you know, by me falling on the sword, me taking less money, whatever, that means I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the benefit to the patients. No, you're going to still provide excellent care, right? So this has nothing to do with that. This is you protecting your, and taking care of yourself. And frankly, taking care of the athletic trainer. So whenever you go on and you, you take the next job, the next opportunity, well, you've already set a base, basic expectation. Should the athletic trainer come behind you because you negotiated, let's say 10, 15, 20% more or whatever, yeah. that person behind you is going to get that 10, 15, 20% more, hopefully. And then they're right. hopefully going to be a little bit better than you were or things are going to evolve, yep. evolve and then get another 10, 15, 20%. So this is, um, yeah, this is, I say taking one for the team, but in reality, you're setting the baseline for the next people. Um, Absolutely. But that being said, did you guys do any of this in your athletic training program you said at Radford? Um, did, yeah, so we didn't either. No, it yeah. kills me. It kills me how much, and maybe it should be a part of ONA, like the yeah. ONA course that people usually take. There really needs to be a part that talks about negotiating your salary. Nego like it needs to be there because it really, it's just severely lacking. And you can tell by some of the salary offers that are being yeah. taken. Not to, of course, you know, rain on anyone's parade, but just, or how many athletic trainers work two or three jobs, you know? Mm -hmm. And like you said, we'll always provide adequate care. I think a big part of providing the best care you can is having job satisfaction, is working, you know, one job or two. Working two jobs because you want to is different than working two jobs because you have, you have to. to. Agreed. Yeah, and you are providing a different level of care to your patients when you're running ragged because, you know, you need to. So I think all of that is part of better patient care, better everything. They don't, uh, my patients wouldn't benefit from me getting off of here, going to another job, then slumping in here and, you know. Yeah, dead tired, just, dog tired. Yeah, so I get to go home. I get to, you know, spend my day. Last night I was typing up notes for this, <laughs> what I wanted to say. But, you know, maybe reading an, an article or or watching a video or communicating with other athletic trainers or making plans for, you know, what I can do next, or, you know, reading the journal of occupational and environmental medicine, like mm -hmm. stuff like that helps my patients in the long run because I'm not, you know, so I think all of that is part of us just building up the profession, having job satisfaction. I, agree. I, see, I don't see it often enough. And I really wish, you know, that we can resolve that. Yeah, honestly, I, uh, that's why I love that. I think, uh, and I don't even know how Jeremy found out about you. Jeremy, did you just see her, her post on Twitter? Is that how, is that how you, uh, you jump back in? Oddly enough, it was. That's how I kind of met Jared. Was it like a social media post about like Dave Ramsey and budgeting, and so then I messaged him back and forth, and that was the same thing with Susan. Like you know, we've interacted on Twitter and that kind of stuff before, but it was that. Like it was that that Twitter tweet, like guys, I just got more than I asked for, or, or everything I asked for, and a new job, do it, or yeah. something, something, something like that. And it's like, hey, we need to, we need to talk about that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I, got it. I love it. So you know, it, it, so going back and and um, going back to the, I was asking about your athletic training program. So I'm I'm, I'm an East Carolina University graduate. So I live back in Eastern North Carolina. I live in Greenville. Nice. I love it. Love the great pirates. Yeah, girl, you know it. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So that being said, um. Uh, Andrew Pickett, Dewey Pickett, um, is actually, uh, he's an um, instructor in the athletic training education mm -hmm. program. And now full disclosure, he's a good friend of mine. And I'll say he's one of my groomsmen. So, um, so obviously uh, we're pretty close, but, um, right. for, I guess I've been back here for eight years or so, um, for seven of the eight years, he's asked myself and then, and, and there's other people that we do interviews, we do mock interviews. And I know uh -huh. some athletic training education programs do it. I know some don't, which I think is <clears throat> insane if you don't, by the way, but, we include, um, or I, I do, whenever I go through and do my mock interview, um, I include, hey, this is how you would do, this is how you would negotiate. Okay, great. You've been offered the position now. What are you going to do? I, I really think, and um, this is me trying to be an advocate for our profession through this podcast, which I think is a great platform. Um, I think if we can get encouraged, the athletic training education program directors and Katie, or C-A-A-T-E, whatever, the, the, uh, um, the governing body or whatnot, if we can try to encourage that to be included in our um, 
in our education, I think that would be so, you know, obviously we know what the burnout rate is on athletic trainers. It's insane. Right. Um, you know, if, and it, uh, what we were saying before, it's not necessarily the dollar figure, but if you can negotiate your hours or your time management or something like that versus just being the martyr, as we were saying before, you know, if we can encourage and train athletic training students on how to establish those baselines that you have basically given yourself an, you know, making yourself an advocate for yourself and for your profession. I think that's right. going to help people. And so like platforms like this with you and, you know, Alicia Pennington did a great one, has done a couple of them. Um, just, you know, just providing that education. And, and sometimes you just need that encouragement, you know, to hear Absolutely. from other people. So like, I love everything you said, man, you're spot on. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. For real. I think you did great. Congrats. Thank you. No, everything you said is absolutely awesome. And that's where, like I said, your support group needs to be bigger than whatever it is you're going up against. And that support group can be Twitter. That support group can be, you know, listening in on here and like getting that, you know, understanding. I absolutely agree when it comes to the hours and things people can negotiate, looking at those. I mean, if you're making 100K, you might want to work 80 hours a week, 90 hours a week. That will be fulfilling for you. But if you're making 45K, that's probably going to be a lot less fulfilling. So something like really making sure you're getting your worth. And especially if that comes to hours, the burnout with the time spent um, at work, that was a big thing for me. Even in clinicals, I was getting that burnout as an intern, like the burnout was already there. And that was part of my push to in industrial is I have hours. I work 40 hours a week and then I'm off to do whatever else it is that helps me you know, fulfill my why or fulfill my purpose. A purpose, you know, purpose-driven life is like a way to say it, but a purpose-driven career is really important. When you have that purpose, you might look at what you're accepting on your jobs and be able to say like, that's not helping me fulfill my purpose or that's not helping me fulfill my why, you know, and really prioritize that and it'll make it a lot easier. You'll have a reason to advocate and then you'll be able to get that support and build that plan and really do it. So a big part of that, like, you said is a lot of people don't get to asking or even advocating because they don't have a reason why they're just at a job. Oh, I like what I do, but like, why not for money? The answer is not money. <laughs> for most of us, money is not why we picked what we do. You could be a banker. You could be an accountant. Why did you choose to be an athletic trainer? Why did you choose to you know, use sales as how you're an athletic trainer? Why did you pick to work with high schoolers? Why did you pick to work with you know, railroad guys or electricians, like there's a reason. So that really helps. I dig it. Hey, well, Jeremy, look, my, uh, I've marked off all of them. All right. So the, <laughs> last, the last thing that I have is, is very specific to right now with so many people being furloughed, laid off, needing a job. How do we apply some of these strategies, but meet that, like, I need a job thing. So talk to some of those uh, some of the points that you've, you've mentioned, but again, understanding the current climate of a lot of athletic trainers being without jobs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so again, like the fundamentals kind of that we talked about, you can always fall back to those, which is showing your worth. You need a job, but you have a place. There's a reason that we're in high schools. There's a reason we're at industrial plants. So even sharing things like the statistics of, you know, high school injuries or your risk of heat illness with a lot of people, or even an increased risk of infection with some of these guys not having a dedicated healthcare provider on staff. Here at my site, I oversee our coronavirus um, testing that we do here. So, um, you know, we have the benefit of saying, as far as we know, our, we're coronavirus free. And <laughs> we test every week randomly to kind of make sure that we have that security. Um, so stuff like that, um, just again, showing your worth. And then the other side of that, I'll say as athletic trainers who are working now, we really got to be advocating for the people who aren't. So if you're at a high school, like you got to be doing your best. You got to be showing up and showing out, you know, every single day, because like I said, we're always advocating. Um, we're never not. And when you do advocate and you always leave that great impression, then, other people are like, yeah, we can't work without our athletic trainers. What are we talking about? Like, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna fly. So definitely for those of us who are working, just going that extra mile. And then for the ones who aren't, just building that worth, building that um, communication of what we do, how we save money, how we increase um, outcomes in injured people, how we increase outcomes for 
as far as injury prevention, long-term health, um, insurance, you know, and decreasing risk. Part of that risk management is part of our job. Um, everything, anything you do, you need to be able to quantify that and communicate it. And um, that'll help a lot. Jared, you got any thoughts on athletic trainers currently for load other than what Susan said? I got to be honest, Jeremy, this, this is a tough one, man. Um, you know, it's easy for me to say, um, go out and apply to as many jobs as you can, as you want, because chances are, if you've been furloughed, that's probably a job you already want. Um, uh, man, I'm sorry just to be silent. Obviously, you know, I talk a lot. Um, it's tough because I really don't, to be honest with you, I think some of this does come back to, sorry, we're going to, the reason why Jeremy and I first talked was the Ramsey thing. I think this is where Dave Ramsey, are you familiar with Susan with Dave Ramsey? Yep. Okay. If not, I swear to you, I was going to ask you for your address. I was going to send you the book. Um, <laughs> no, I am very yeah. familiar. Total money makeover. Guy. Get it kids. Um, so no, I think this is where you need to have your emergency fund. This is where you need to have your, 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 your house in order in order to weather the storm. When this is certainly a storm that, um, that, you know, I will say in November, I, I made the comment to somebody, I was like, you know what, if this thing ever hits over here, this could be a mess. And, um, you know, who knew what Wuhan was back in November? And I just happened to see something, but, but to answer your question though, um, I think this is more as much to, for me anyway, Jeremy is, is, um, is a testament of once we do get back on our feet, um, we need to make sure we're doing our own personal diligence as far as getting our personal finances and our personal affairs in order to make sure that when something like this does happen again, what, whatever it is, that we can weather it. So I think right to a point for me, um, I think, you know, uh, it's probably just just to, to try to batten down the hatches, try to push mm. through. Hopefully you've been able to to um, to save some money to be able to to be able to make it through. But no, I really I got nothing. <laughs> Jeremy, I'm sorry if, if I'm not providing, you know, a, appropriate answer as far as I don't really know that you're going to be able to negotiate much right now in this environment. Frankly, you know, there are going to be a lot of people that are not just furloughed, but they're going to be laid off. And then and then, you know, these positions are going to be gone. Now, at the same time, they will come back Talking about right. training positions. I have no doubt that they'll come back. So so it's either weather the storm or look for other employment. And be willing to move if that's something you need to do. Um, but I, I think I think really that's probably your two of your most popular, um, not popular as far as a positive thing. But those are your, probably your two big options. Either hopefully you've been able to weather the storm, just keep plugging away. You know, see if there's pretty and work you can pick up, um, or uh, hopefully just weather the storm. That's all I got, man. I'm sorry. If anyone's interested in the occupational health side of things or going the industrial route, definitely reach out to me. I can probably at least try and and maybe find something. Perfect. Yeah. How are they going to get a hold of you, Susan? Um, Twitter, Facebook. You can tweet me. It's at I-M-A-S-T-A-A-H. Um, or honestly, hit me up on Twitter or Facebook and, and I can give you my email or my number or something. So definitely if you really are willing to make that that shift definitely i want to see more industrial athletic trainers my perfect world would be not a plant or facility operates without athletic trainers so <laughs> we obviously have those hurdles of even the high school level too but um i definitely am working that in for us too so t-a-a-h so there's two a's and susan ta if you search that on twitter it's pretty easy to find and you're uh forgive me if i mess this up you're jamaican is that right no, Cameroonian. Cameroonian, okay. So Obviously. Yes. Yeah, right. So Again, I apologize. Cameroonian. So there's also the little no, Cameroonian fine. flag, I think, right next to her name. So if you see Susan oh, yes. Tall, yeah. friends with Jeremy, the little the little flag next yep. to her name, that's that's her, okay? And I think, <laughs> actually, your picture's on your profile. So it should be easy enough to find awesome. her, Susan Tall. Again, if you want to reach out to her, anything industrial, anything we've talked about here, uh, she's pretty active on social media on twitter like she said that's probably the best way to reach out jared best way to reach you twitter would probably be just it's at taping pirate T- taping pirate pirate oh the pirate part makes so much sense though Doesn't because it? you... it's all coming together it's, it's <laughs> you... i didn't just make up a mascot that's right i was really like 
taping pirate. Like maybe that was just vibe, you know, on the field. Just <laughs> I was just feeling it, but no, I'm a pirate, baby. Um, no, but uh, taping pirate or uh, Facebook certainly. Um, and honestly, I, I don't mind giving my uh, giving my phone number out two two five three 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 six four seven five. I know it's crazy. I'm a sales guy, right? We just give out sell all the time. I get I thought, I thought for a second about like giving my like main inbox that a lot of stuff goes to, and I was like, nah. nah. <laughs> But if you reach out to me, I will have no problem giving it out. But Taping Pirates probably the best way, at Taping Pirates. So hit up Susan or Jared on Twitter. Again, I'll have links to those in the show notes. It'll Whenever I post this episode, it'll auto-tweet them. And so they'll be on that with a link to this episode as well. So there's definitely ways to get a hold of them there. Um, Frio Hydration is making some big moves as we all have to do hands-free water stuff here in the high schools. So you can check out their new hands-free water station and they're pretty much flying off the shelves as fast as they can get them in. Uh, so check them out. It's another one of the ways that they're being flexible and adapting to kind of survive the, the COVID and then also to help athletic trainers. So check out FrioHydration.com. <clears throat> and as always, when I'm talking with Jared, we want to encourage people to check out Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. I just finished leading that. And Sophia, my coworker, has gone through it. She's already paid off uh, three of her five student loans. And so, again, that's that's just fantastic that the difference that she's making financially, you know, it helps that they're not getting any interest currently on student loans, but before she would have been eating more breakfast tacos or something like that. But now she's putting all that money towards paying off those debts. So check out Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. I literally get nothing from teaching that class other than the satisfaction of helping people. I don't financially benefit in any way. Uh, and Jared, if he does that, he doesn't financially benefit. He'll send you the book. Same or- for me. Yep. I've I facilitated it three times, never, but uh, it's, but I'll tell you, I, we get so much for it. Oh my God. I, I can't tell you how many lives have been changed. Yep. Mine personally. That's awesome. So if you can't negotiate, then at least get your house in order and get ready to, to go from there. So then, then that way you're in a good situation. You know, I'll have these tips and everything that's shared by Susan. And uh, again, looking at somebody like Jared, you know, you may be like, oh, well, he's, he's been doing it all this time. And then, then you look at Susan, she's a relatively young professional. And it's like, okay, well, maybe I can do this. So take action, reach out, listen, re-listen, maybe go back and read this, start with why, start collecting that, that data, the analytics. And then one of the things you guys mentioned was um, the metrics, knowing the metrics. And we've talked about it before on this one, on uh, the podcast, is you got to know the metrics that are important to your employer. So at a school, they don't care about the, the work hours of the people, right? They... I'm here more for risk management. I'm here for providing care for the saving face, you know, that kind of thing. And so knowing the keywords, the key metrics for your employer is also important. And I love how Susan, you pointed out that, you know, I had to have a timeline ready for when I was going to get my DOT certification. Not like, Oh, I didn't know I have to have that. Like, all right, think through all the process. Okay. I'm, I've already applied. I'm waiting and this and that. So fantastic tips. And this is just, Really good information. So if you want to get a hold of Susan or Jared, find them on Twitter or sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash negotiating benefits, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash negotiating benefits. So for Jonah, my son who did the intro, and Susan, Jared, and the Sports Medicine Broadcast, that is a wrap. Thanks.